you have your Bibles, we're going to talk today about walking, walking in your victory, in the, fa- in the faith, victory in your faith. Um, that is, uh, I told you this last week, told you for a few weeks now, I've spoke about this, that there's only two things that you really need to have in this Christian walk, and it helps, you know, for me, if you simplify it, it makes everything much easier. And I'm always looking at something, trying to simplify it so that, so that it can be accomplished. And if you look at Christianity, Christianity can become really complicated, depending upon where you go to church. If you've been to several churches, you've heard several different things, you've got several people around you that believe different things, Christianity becomes very, very complicated, and it's very, very hard to uh, determine, well, what is it going, what's going to get me to heaven? How am I, you know... Well, the, the bottom line is, is that we just need to, there's just two things you need to do, is believe and repent. There, it is as simple as that right there, believe and repent. I had somebody sit down and over dinner with me, or lunch uh, here a few, few weeks ago, and they were asking me some things because they noticed there was something a little bit different about us. And there is, there's a lot different about us. And, and um, so he started asking me questions about this ministry and that ministry and what they believed and what they didn't believe and what have you, you know. And what do you believe? I said, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. And if I don't believe it yet, I'm going to work on believing it. How, well, how do you work on believing it? I'm going to change my mind about what I think and what I've been told, and I'm going to transform it to the thinking of God and what he says about it. Amen. And that is repentance. But you can't repent until you believe. So if you just clear the boards and say, no, I just don't believe that stuff. I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, well, God, just, in this dispensation, God doesn't talk to people anymore. Well, you came too late to come talk to me about God doesn't talk to you anymore because God talks to me all the time. So now either you can think I'm a crazy person you can think whatever you want to. I'm already convinced that God speaks to his people. God will speak to you if you listen. He's talking all the time if you listen. And you might get really frustrated with that. Well, I'm listening. I'm not hearing anything. Well, I said this before, and I'll say it again. And I'm not, you have to be careful with this because people get to, they hear you say this, and then they're going to try to mold their life to that. Well, then God will hear me. Then I'll hear God. But, but it's, a personal, it's a personal thing with you and him. Yours may not be the same as mine. But I can tell you this. If you're not hearing him, if you're not hearing him, then there's something in the way of that. I, I love the story of um, Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin was struggling with this in his life. I mean, it's hard to imagine Kenneth Hagin, if you know anything about Kenneth Hagin, to hear that Kenneth Hagin was struggling hearing God, you know. Well, he said, I was in prayer one time, and God kind of took me into like a, a vision. And Christ was standing before me, and he was speaking to me and talking to me. And I was hearing him clearly. All of us have heard him at some point in time to accept him as our personal Savior. Then what happens after that? Why don't we hear him anymore? Why is it like, and that's what happens. We hear him to get saved, and then we just figure, since I don't hear him anymore, well, then it just must be he doesn't talk. That's another dispensation. We explain it away. We, we look at the promises of God. We see the relationship God wants to have, and then we explain it away when it's not working for us. Well, Kenneth Hagin, instead of explaining away, went to God and said, I need to know why. And he just kept pounding that door. I want to know why. I want to know why. Well, God gave him an open vision. Christ was standing before him. Christ is the Word, right? The Word is Christ, right? He is the Word. See, standing in front of him, he's talking. I can hear him clearly. And then all of a sudden, here comes this monkey, and he gets in front of, gets between me and Christ, and he starts making all kinds of noises and waving his arms, and he's jumping up and down, and I can't hear Jesus anymore. 
He said that the monkey got so loud, he said, I kept, I was screaming, woke himself up out of this thing, screaming, I can't hear you, talk louder, talk louder. Well, the, the thing carried on, and at one point, he spoke to the monkey, and the monkey fell over dead. And then he could hear Christ. And he stopped Christ and said, stop, 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 stop. I want to hear what you said. And Christ just kept talking and just kept talking. And what God showed him in that is, you have to deal with the monkey. I'm not dealing with the monkey. I dealt with the monkey on the cross. Through the resurrection, the power, and the ascension, I dealt with the monkey. I've given you a seat next to me in heavenly places. You have the authority. You have to deal with the monkey. He said, what about what you said while the monkey was screaming? He says, you missed it. Time rolls on. I'm still speaking. Oh, wait a second. What? Yeah. When is God affected by Satan? Never. When is God affected by Washington, D.C.? When is God affected, affected by Springfield, Illinois? When is God affected by Europe? When is God affected by Israel? When is God affected by Palestine? When is God affected by Russia or China? When is God affected? Never. Never. When do we quit being affected? When we think like he thinks. He said, my ways are higher than your ways. That's, think about that. My ways are higher than your ways. Well, why? He goes on to explain. Because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He did not put it as an impossibility that you cannot think like him. Or that you cannot walk in his ways. Because he sent you what he thinks I bought a few books, not been able to get to it, just very little yet. And my, my daughter got me a book one year for Christmas. And I've got three books for my three children. And those three books for my three children are for me to write my thoughts down for them. And I went out and bought beautifully leather-bound books that have a wrapping and that kind of thing. And those are my books that I will, write, I will write to my children the words I want to leave to them, and they are not for them until after I'm gone. But I want to leave them a legacy of my relationship with God, and I want to leave them a legacy of believing in Him above anything else. And so I'm working on that right now. And in the process of that, I didn't have any idea, but one Christmas, this last Christmas, I get, a, I get this, it looked like a Crayola crayon book, you know, wrapped up. I thought, they got this wrong, this must be for Annabelle, you know, <laughs> but it was from Annabelle. So I went ahead and opened it up, and it said, Papa, tell me your story. And so it's a book to go through and answer questions for her that she will have later on about me so she can know me through her eyes and my eyes only. That's pretty precious. God gave us a book. And if you get the history on the book, you'll find there's no way this could not be God leaving us a letter. It's not by happens chance we have a canonized Bible in front of us. It, it, there's just no way. And when we look at the book, it's telling us what he thinks about us and who he is and who he wants to be in your life. When we transform our mind to that thinking, we will walk in his ways. And what the church has tried to tell us is if you do certain things, then you're walking in his ways. That is a lie. 
If you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't look at women, you don't look at men, you, do, you live a holy life, then you'll be in the way of God. No. No. You begin to know who you are, who he is, and who he wants to be in your life, and the destiny and promises he has for you. It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Your, when you begin to think like him, you will change to be like him, and then your ways will be his ways. The ways are a result of believing what he has to say. Even the stuff that's almost impossible to believe. I read in the Bible that 80 to 85 was our years. I watched my grandparents go. I watched the great-grandparents go. You watch people die all the time. And if you go out there, on an average, they're dying around 80 or 85. But the Bible, that's what David said, okay? But when David said that, he was looking at and, and thinking about the failures of man, the weaknesses of man. But God said, the number of man shall be 120. So who are we going to believe? How many years are we getting? Because that's what we believe. And because that's what we believe, that's the way that we are walking. So when we hit 60, we feel a few aches and pains, and instead of speaking something different, doing something about it, we just fall into the track. And I think the biggest, I, I'm telling you, I think the biggest, some of you will disagree with me, but I think one of the biggest atrocities to the United States is retirement. Because then it's just time to step into your role, get into your rut, your trench, and then head down a road of these are the things that are about to happen, these are the things that are happening, and this is just where we're going, and the end is coming near. When you have only reached half your lifetime. Half your lifetime is all you've reached. Do you know how much you've learned by the time you hit 60? I mean, you pretty well got the tiger by the tail by the time you hit 60. And now with all this knowledge, all this understanding, all this wisdom that you have, now all of a sudden we're just going to say, well, it's time for me to quit. It's getting real close. I'll find things that I can do where I can shuffle around and then eventually just I'll make my way on home. Now's the time that you can, I heard Dr. Lester Summerall say it this way. All of a sudden, it was in his later years, God started doing things through him. Radio stations all over, television station of his own. The church just expanded. Other churches that he was going to and growing, they were just blowing up. He bought the first, uh, he, bought, he, was, he was the first Christian individual that his ministry personally bought a cargo ship to take, they called it Lassie Ministries, and he took that cargo ship and he shipped food all around the world to indigenous areas where children were starving. God gave him that vision. And he said, God, why didn't you do this while I was young and I felt, felt better? He says, because now I can trust you. Your interests are not all over the place now. Your interest is in me. See, the golden thing about the golden years is your focus is more on your destiny now. Making it home to heaven is where you want to. So now you've funneled in and now all the other things are not as important. So with that mindset, you have more potential than you've ever had in your life because your interests are not all over the place now. Your interests are now where you were interested when your children were growing up, all you were interested in is getting food on the table, clothes on their 
you know, backside, shoes on them. And it was a challenge keeping all that going. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was just like they were growing like weeds, and you just bought new shoes. Now you're buying more new shoes. Just bought them new clothes. Now we got to get more new clothes. And it's just constant, the need taking care. And you're just, you're wrapped up in that. And then, and then somewhere, maybe find myself and get to have some of my interests completed, you know, and what I love to do. And there's all these interests pulling us all over the place. You know what happens whenever you get older? All you're interested in is those children knowing the Lord. Wait a second, what, what, wait? All the interests you have now, what's, your focus is more God interested. When you get to that place, you have more potential for God to use you than you have ever, you, God is not done with you. God is not through with you. You've got to get out of your heart and mind that you need God to heal you He'll heal you just because he loves you. But tag that on to a purpose. You've got a greater purpose now than you've ever had in your life. And it it can be clearer now than ever if we can just get the other voices out of the way. For me, getting the other voices out of the way was music. That was for me. I love music. I mean, I love music. And when you open up my iPad or or iPod or my phone, uh, what I have in music is from A to Z. I got it all except for I don't have country rap. I just can't go there. I, I, you know, I'm just, it's just something, country rap, I just can't get there. Maybe I'll evolve, but right now, just can't get there. I'm not big on rap, period. But Overall, I listened to it all, and God said, I need you just to turn all that off. If you're wanting to hear me, you got to turn, I want you to turn all that off, and I want you to listen to worship, just worship music. When he first said that to me, I didn't understand even what that meant. I went to church, they sang songs, I, I didn't know what that meant, just worship. And as I began to find worship and look for worship and put that in, and that's all that I listened to, what I found was his presence on, a, on such a level that other people could feel his presence around me. Amen? They could smell it. Pat said, you know, you, you, we, we got a restaurant we love to go to. Man, it's good. And I don't know if you all ever been there, but go there and sit down. It's called Just Burgers. How many of you have been to Just Burgers? We're just finding new restaurants now in Paducah. And Just Burgers is a hometown restaurant that, oh, yeah, Ronnie goes, oh, it's good. <laughs> it is good. It's good. Uh, you can pick up their special for the week. But you know what the thing about Just Burgers? When you come out of Just Burgers after eating there, they've got onion rings that are amazing. Amazing onion rings. And if you haven't been, oh, they're cheese. They're cheese logs. It's like they're double battered. They're amazing. Pork tenderloin. Pat said the fried pork tenderloin is just out of this world. But when you come out of Just Burgers and you run into somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? They can smell you and go, you just went to Just Burgers. (laughs) You've been to Just Burgers. What'd you have, you know? When you come out of the presence of the Lord like that, people know you've been someplace, and you don't have to tell them. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to try to persuade them. His presence precedes you, and they smell him on you, and it opens their heart to want to hear from you, okay? That's so much easier than going in and dry running it, trying to tell people about Jesus. Amen? He never intended us to dry run it and tell people about Jesus. He intended us to have his presence go before us, prepare their, he prepare their heart, that when they felt that presence again, 
That's the same presence that prepared them for you to speak into them and influence them. You may not even get to speak for a while. You just may be the influence in them. And all of a sudden, they trust you, and they don't even know why they trust you. Okay? Well, how do we get there? Because this is, this is the key to victory. So just let's, let's go over here to, uh, first of all, we'll just head here to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them, God willed. How many of you have ever been looking for the will of God? We've all fell into the trap of looking for the will of God, searching the will of God, okay? We all, we all have. But here is the will of God. In the Bible, the Bible says, once our mind is transformed or in a process of transformation, once we get on that road of transformation, that we will prove the will of God. Hello? He didn't say seek the will of God. You just transform your mind and renew it. See, renewing it. The one thing that is just amazing to me, I watched, I'm watching Jennifer this morning with that brand new baby. Got two little ones right here. You know what's amazing about those kids? Here's the thing that's the most amazing. Their soul is brand new. And it's waiting to be conformed. It's waiting to be, to be, this, that, that little child is fresh out of the oven, freshly born, And it is ready and willing to absorb and receive. Amen? And what a responsibility we have. Wow. What a responsibility. Because the world is eager to get another thought in that fresh, new, little soul. Now, if you don't think it's a soul, mind, will, and emotions... You've not been around two-year-olds. <laughs> do they not have a mind? Do they not have a will? And do they not have an emotion? Amen. And there's such an opportunity to sow the seeds of God's will into that little soul to understand what their true purpose is in life and the plan that God has for them, and the love that he has for them, and the direction, and the protection, and the provision that he has for them. Amen? So watch this. He says, to them God willed. Say, God willed. To make known what are the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is that mystery? To be known of the riches of his glory, which is this. What's the riches of his glory? Christ in you, the hope of glory. If there's one thing I wish someone would have taught me whenever I was younger, is that God desires to fill me with his glory. All I ever heard was that it was part of the prerequisite to be a good Christian is to give God glory. And I was at a red-hot service one night, God's presence all over. People were falling out in the Spirit. People were being healed. People were doing all kinds of things. God was doing all kinds of things in people's lives. It was really a marvelous meeting. But in that meeting, at one point, the, 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 the evangelist shouted out, lift up your hands and give God glory. And I went ahead to do what he told me to do, to follow in line with the service. And I lifted up my hands. And when I lifted up my hands, God said, so 
how are you supposed to give me glory? And slowly I put my hands back down and I was concentrating on that question. I was like, well, I don't know. He said, why do you lift your hands in the attempt to give me glory? I don't, because I was told to. In the moment of that great meeting, seeing you do all kinds of things, yes. And where do you feel like inside of you that you could give me glory? I am glory. How can you give me glory? I thought, wow, okay, now here we are. This is a question, and I'm needing an answer. He said, son, so you can learn to receive my glory, that glory can never have increase on it for you to turn around and offer it back up to me. Remember, he says, his word is like the seed in the ground. It falls in one kernel, but it comes up like the corn and like wheat, and, it, and, it, and, it, and there's more. There's some 100, some 60, some 30-fold, right? There's a harvest off of one kernel of corn right? God gives us these kinds of, of metaphors and teaching and then reality of watching it ourselves as the crops are getting harvested right now, there's more being harvested than what was sown in the ground. God's trying to show us, I want to put my glory in you because when I put my glory in you, I get a harvest of that glory coming back. And that is what I want you to glorify me with, not with what you have, but with what I've sown in you. How can you get that? You have to receive. And the only way you can receive is to acknowledge who you are, who he is, and his desire for you. Because you can't receive it if you feel unworthy. Oh, we don't. You'll hear this from religious gurus all the time that we are not worthy of his glory. When it is his glory is what he wants to pour into us so that we can glorify him. It is the hope of the glory of God that we would, we would be able to be filled with this, contained with this so that it overflows out of us and it flows to others, that's the hope. That's his hope. And we're not talking about our hope, his hope. Watch this. It says it again. Which is Christ in you, the hope. Whose hope is this? It is God's hope. It is his will, and it is his desire, and it is his happy, anticipated, expected result in your life as he explodes the word of God inside of you as you receive his glory on these things you receive the spirit on these things that it pours and now flows out and precedes you well what work is involved in that none how do you change you change your mind about it you look at, weigh it over, and say, okay, this is what you do this all the time. This is so easy. You do this all the time. Watch this. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the, 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 the King James first, and then we'll go to the, the I love the, trans, the Passion Translation. Proverbs 4. Verse 18. But the path of the just... Watch that, the ways. What's a path? It's a way. Your ways, my ways are higher than your ways because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Watch this. But the ways of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not what they are stumbling. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. 
for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Okay. Health to how much of your flesh? How much? Not some of it? Not a little bit of it? Not just to the cold, but also to the cancer? <laughs> Amen? But what do we really believe? What do we really, what, watch this. I love the Passion Translation because it gives you more um, information. Same verses. But the lovers of God walk on the highway of light, and their way shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. But the wicked walk in thick darkness, like those who travel in fog, and yet don't have a clue why they keep stumbling. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, listen, unwrap my words. They will impart true life and radiant, radiate heal, health unto the very core of your being. The faith movement failed us miserably because they taught us if we say it, it'll happen. Speak it, believe it. Speak it until you do believe it. This is something that really confuses me because I've been in those meetings. I'll go to those meetings again because they do have some stuff that's really good, but they're always time, well, just keep speaking it till you believe it. Keep speaking it till it happens. Keep speaking. But the Bible says in two different locations, Old Testament and New, we believe, therefore we speak. So you've got to be careful that you just don't listen to a man and just believe what that man's telling you. What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say for you to speak it until you believe it? Nope. The Bible says you believe, therefore you speak. So it's out of the abundance of your heart you begin to confess. Amen? If you're just trying to believe something, but you really don't believe it, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When you start looking at faith and what it does and how it operates, it's something that's already believing. It's an action word. It's already what you have decided is the way it's going to be. You believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt. How many of you believe there's a rapture coming? How many of you could I convince that it's not going to happen? None of you. Can't convince you at all. That's just that because you know that. You believe that. You've transformed your mind. How many of you believe Jesus Christ the per, is, is, the, is the only Son of God? How many of you believe that? How can I convince you that he's not? If I started trying to convince you of that, you know what you'd do? You'd get up, you'd walk out those doors and say, I'm never walking back through those doors. Dean has lost his mind. There is no other way to God but through His Son, Jesus Christ, right? And you're convinced of that. So you are on the way. But your way is going to go brighter and brighter the more you, you are convinced of all the other truths that are in there. Because the same God that has shown you in Thessalonians that He is coming back on a cloud... The angel will, with a shout, and, and in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ will rise, and we who, who are remain will be caught up with them. That is not the second coming. The second coming is coming. That's getting us raptured out, getting prepared for the second coming. Because the second coming, he's putting his foot down. 
and he's showing up, amen, in the person, amen, and there will be a millennial reign at that point, and we will be trained and ready for that millennial reign when that takes place, and that is going to happen. You couldn't convince me of anything else. It's going to happen. The rapture is him catching us away. That is not the second coming. Because he ain't coming yet. He's staying right up, right up there in between, calling us home. Is that a coming? No. When he came to earth the first time, he came and he walked upon the face of the planet, right? When he comes the second time, he's coming and he's walking on the face of the planet again. And you don't think there won't be peace that day? You don't think there won't be, it won't be his way on that day? Huh? It'll change then. So, so as much as we believe that, the same God who taught us that in Thessalonians through Paul is the same God who spoke it through the prophet and said, the number of, God, number of man's days will be 120. Same God. Same God. But because of what we see every day and what we, we hear every day and the evidence that we have in every graveyard, we're not quite convinced of that. And that's where the world has stopped us from believing. That's why he said, be attentive to my words. Don't get caught up in somebody else's words. Be attentive to mine. It's as simple as this. David, David, David was chosen. Uh, the Bible says that, that um, his daddy had eight children. Um, he was the seventh son that was chosen. So we don't know what happened to the actual seventh son. Uh, we know that he had eight children. Uh, we don't know if the seventh children passed away, ch seventh child passed away before David came along. We really don't know what happened because Chronicles says he had eight children. In Samuel, he said he was the seventh child chosen and he was the youngest. So something happened there somewhere. We don't know what happened. We don't have the history on that. But here's the bottom line. David was the last one chosen. David, for whatever reason, David was not even an option. And God chose him. The prophet came in. One by one, those children walked by. And he said, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope. You can imagine the guy who's coming in. You're, you're, the, you're the guy who's coming in with the word of God. Jesse has a son. He's going to be king. And you go to Jesse's house and say, Jesse, I need you to call all your children in. I need to walk in front of them because when I witness God's presence, I will know that's the one. And I will anoint him and he will be king. Okay? This is where God likes to put you. If you're going to walk in his ways, this is right where, Luke, he wants to put you. Right here. You walk in front of the first one and it's, no, not that one. Second one, no, not that one. Third one, nope. That's not the one. Fourth one, nope. Fifth, sixth. Jesse, this is all your children? God has sent me here. Do you have any more children? Well, I got one. Didn't even call him as a child. He's a son. Thought that means something, Israel. And Jesse didn't even call him. And the prophet looked at him and said, what is wrong with you? You've got me doubting my own self. He didn't say that, but I'm just thinking the way the prophet would think because I've been in those shoes, and God wants to put you in those shoes. Why? Those are shoes where you just have to depend upon God. And he says, "Where's, where's you got to have another son. He says, I do. He's out back tending sheep. Go get him. When he got him, all of a sudden, it was the presence of God. This is the one. He laid hands on him, poured the anointing oil on him, anointed him as king, turned around and left. A little while later, Jesse calls him back out of the field and says, hey, your brothers are over here fighting in the battle with the Philistines. Why don't you take some, uh, some juice and crackers and some cheese with you and go, go, go take care of your brothers and find out how they're doing. David says, okay. David gathers the cheese and crackers and heads off down the road. 
gets to where the battle is at, and those, those brothers are looking at him going, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be tending sheep. Now, David could have taken that like most little brothers might take it and say, well, I might as well, here's the cheese and crackers, I'm going to go on home. But David believed in the anointing, and David believed in what was said about him. He held on to the promise of God and turned around, and in that, that, that thing, wrote, by believing in what God said, when the moment came for David to rise and his time was there, he, he rose up, it rose up inside of him, and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine cursing the army of Israel? And they're looking at him and going, well, who are you? David never responded to that. Because when you know who you are, you don't have to respond to anything else. You don't stop and give reasons and excuses. David said, what will happen to the guy who goes down there and defeats this guy? Well, now there's, there's David's wanting something out of it. You see David's heart? If I'm going to do this, I want to know what you get out of it. We never think that way. But I, and David was a man after God's own heart. The disciples thought this way. The disciples looked at Jesus. The ones Jesus chose, the ones Jesus was going to get this gospel out to the whole world, Jesus chose men like this that turned around and said, hey, we've given up everything. What do we get? You know what religion tells you? That you're somehow a horrible sinner and probably not even saved if you're looking to get something out of this. Well, if that's the case, what are you even wishing to die to go to heaven? Why are you thinking about yourself? Huh? Isn't it amazing that God chooses people that has those questions on their mind? So what, what do I get? If I'm going to give up everything, what, what, what exactly do I get? And the, So what the king says, you get tax-free and you get his daughter. <laughs> David says, well, I don't have a girlfriend. And not paying taxes sounds pretty good to me. So he's ready to go. That was, that was a good enough deal for him. Understand, they did not believe in David. His own family did not believe in David. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, the biggest battle you're going to deal with is your family and closest friends. Because they know you. You're, oh, you're, 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 you're classmates. Oh boy, there's a, there's a whole other realm you're going to have to get over. Because they saw you in the locker room, they saw you in the shower, they saw you in your worst times, and they saw you in their best times. They saw you when you got drunk. Some of them even helped you get home. They saw you, they saw you, they saw you, they saw you. They know you. That's why I stay away from talking about yesterday with classmates. Because attached to yesterday is attached to everything they remember about you. And then the next step is to take you back to where you used to be and who you used to be and what you used to be. I can't go there. Amen. Neither can you. You can't afford to go there. God has called you. He's chosen you. He has a plan for you. And now I've got to conform my mind my heart, my thinking towards that. Amen? If there's some area of your life you're not very happy with, you're not seeing the results that you'd like to see, or you don't even care for the results you're seeing, God has a plan for you. doesn't mean you have to stay on this path. God has a plan for you. Am I saying he makes everything rosy? No. Character is built in the fire. Amen? Character is built in the lion's den. Character is built, but those are only moments of time. Character is built in the, in the valley, amen, against Goliath. That's where character is built. That's where victory is seen, and that's where confidence is made, amen? But guess what? We're not born to stay there. What you weren't born for is the people around you that 
do not celebrate the plan of God for your life. That's what you were not born for. And I'm going to tell you today, if you're going to have victory in your life, you're going to have to get around people that celebrate you. Whatever it is that you feel God's called you, I've had people call me up and they're starting a business. And I praise God. What can we pray about? What do we want to believe on? And I've had, I've had people call me up saying they're closing a business. You know what? It is not my plan for their life. It's God's plan for their life. If they're walking in the ways of God and this is what God is directing them to do, this is where they feel they need to do, then praise God, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited when you open and I'm excited when you close. I'm excited because I believe in you. And I'm going to believe what God has said about you and I'm going to stand with you in that. And you need to get people around you that are going to stand with you and believe in what God has said about you and what God is calling you to do or what God is nudging you in a direction. You need to get around people that believe in that, that believe in, in what you've done in raising your children. And if they're acting a fool today, that you can, they'll believe with you that they're going to change, that God's going to transform their heart. Amen? And you need to get around people that believe in you. Amen? And start separating yourself from people who don't. I separate myself. If it's not according to the Word of God, then you know what? I'm, I'm here to reach out. I'm here to, to try to sow a seed. I'm here to try to encourage, but I'm not here to hang out with, with that. Because if I hang out with that, it won't be long. It'll get, I'll get, it gets attached to me. And once it starts taking its attachment, then my mind starts transforming back to the way it used to be. There's some conversations Pat and I have had, and we were having one the other day over, over our business, and some things we found out, and some situations that, I mean, it was a, it was a, it's a, bad, it was a bad deal. And we started talking. She's in the laundry room. I was in the bed, on the bed, sitting down, putting my shoes on, and we were talking to one another. And then all of a sudden, there was a long pause. I said, honey, we got to stop this talk right now. This conversation cannot go any further. And she said, amen to that. That's exactly what I'm thinking right now. She said, we can't talk like this any longer. We're going to talk ourselves right into, right into bankruptcy. I said, Exactly. That's exactly what we'll do. God opened the door to this. God must, must have already decided that we were equipped and that we were ready and that all the preparation was already done and I'm walking you through this door and this is what, what you're going to do. And now we just go do it and he's called, uh, called us to fix something. And we just came into agreement. Today, it changes today. This day, it becomes what it was to be. About two weeks later, we had a meeting with the, with, with, with the company. <laughs> two weeks before, Lucas, we were in the position of calling it either way. And we chose what way we're going to call it. When we chose it, we sat down with these guys. This one guy, straight out of the bakery. I mean, he's like, there's like three of them at his level. He said, I said, I said, it's really amazing that you would come out and visit us. I said, we really appreciate the opportunity to get a chance to meet you. Um, this just doesn't happen. He goes, well, you know, I wanted to put a face with a name. I said, really, what does that mean? He goes, well, I think they were planning on six months to a year for this thing to turn around. He says, and it's already turned around. And it has. Just in three weeks, it like shifted. What would have happened to that if we'd have just kept talking? That negative talk. I don't know. I, I kind of think that it might have been a slow die. A slow burn is probably what it would have been. A miserable slow burn. But instead, we spoke life into it. Because life is what God has spoken into us. God is speaking life into you. He's speaking life into you. Turn around and speak life. 
even if it looks like death, speak life. I listened to a guy the other day, and I'm closing. This is my closing. He was, he was, he was in a car. He, he, he witnessed a car accident. And he went out there, and they were working on this guy, and the guy died right there. They, they lost all signals of life. Oh, this guy wasn't much of a church, he just wasn't much of a churchgoer, wouldn't be what maybe say the model Christian, but he knew God could heal. And his testimony was, I laid my hands on that man and said, Father, may life come back into his body. He said nothing happened. He got up, went to his car, and sat down waiting for the police to come around and get there. You know, what, what happened? He said, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I saw all kinds of ruckus going on. They were EMT people running all over the place, grabbed a hold of that guy and ran him over to the, to the emergency to the vehicle, slid him in there, and off they went. And he saw one of the police officers came over toward him and said, well, what just happened? He said, I don't know. He said, the guy just came back to life. He came back to life, and they just they rushed him to the hospital. Wow! <laughs> what happened? He, he didn't speak what he saw. He spoke what he saw, what he knew God could do. And he just walked away with that testimony. I don't know whatever happened to that gentleman. Don't know the whole story of all that behind it. But he, what his testimony was, he was a, he was kind of a, not the Christian you would think, the model Christian, but you know what that turned him into? A model Christian. Wow, God really does answer prayer. God actually, I laid hands on that man, and that man came back to life. Oh, my word. And it turned him into a, a fireball of a child of God. Amen. He got on the way real quick, on a way he didn't see before. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, we are walking examples of the hope of your glory because Christ is in us. Father, give us the courage that when our moment comes that we step up and allow you to flow through us. Father, I speak courage over every individual this morning. Courage comes to them. Father, enlightenment. Father, quickness. Father, courage. In Jesus' name, I speak it into them right now. Courage, Father, to do what they hear you say. To act upon your promises. To believe, Father, what you have said about them. And pay no attention, pay no attention, Father, to the other voices. And I speak it in Jesus' name. God bless you. We hope to see you at the Weenie Rose Friday night. Uh, we're going to say it's going to get dark probably around 4, 4.30. So when you get off work, we'll be out there around the fire. <laughs>